You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. I'll invite you to open your Bibles tonight to uh, Psalms. I've been kind of going through some highlighted places in the Psalms. And uh, we're in Psalm 133 tonight. I've been saying that this is where I'm going to be uh, preaching from for the last week or so. The Lord gave me a, a message here that I think would be appropriate for our church here tonight. So, Psalm 133, three little verses. I'm going to share a message tonight. It, Unity, it could be the title of the message, or how to obtain life's greatest blessings as a congregation. Think about that title, if you would, please. How to obtain life's greatest blessings as a congregation. And I believe that's the pattern that the Lord has given for us here. So if you can just follow along in Psalm 133. Notice what God says to any people that are willing to listen and adapt adopt the principles and the truths that he lays out for us here tonight. He says in verse 1, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments, As another example, he gives as the dew of Hermon, a great mountain, and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. And we'll just have a word of prayer there, and I'll share these thoughts with you tonight. God, again, thank you for the privilege to be in the Word of God and for another opportunity for me to preach to uh, this congregation here tonight. I pray, Lord that through your Holy Spirit you would, um, first of all, open my eyes of understanding and be able to share some of these truths that I believe could be a tremendous help and a blessing to our congregation. And I just ask it of you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so this, is, uh, this will be a different Sunday night for me. I, I will tell you that, boy, 30, almost 35 years ago, um, this congregation, although there were different bodies and different faces, and there, were, there are still a few of you here that was uh, here when the church voted to receive a 29-year-old uh, young brown-haired man um, as their pastor, and I remember um, that night pretty well myself, and I'm looking around to see if I can see some of the faces that I know was there. And um, it, I believe it was a 100% vote. It was either 100 or 49%. Which one was it? I think it was 100, yeah. And that was a blessing and, and a, a, a big uh, vote of confidence. And I, I at least felt like I had the congregation completely behind me. And um, so I, you know, looking down through the years, <clears throat> at 29 years old, you think, Man, I'll just I'll be here for hundreds of years. You just don't look at an end 
when you're young, you don't look at the end. But as I got older and hair colors changed and other things happened, um, I just really couldn't imagine coming to this place where uh, we are as a congregation. And honestly, this is not, it's not just about me. This is about Eastside Baptist Church uh, that we would uh, come to this place. I wonder what it might be like <clears throat> uh, to be able to have a baton in my hand and ready, so to speak, at some point here in the next few weeks, potentially, uh, to be able to pass the baton on to the next man that would fill the pulpit and continue to lead God's people in God's word. But here we are, and it's right here on top of me uh, and our church. And the thing that I would probably say to you tonight that I would desire as much as anything that I could desire tonight is brought out in three little verses here in, in the Bible. And I hope we'll consider them and uh, try to apply these truths to ourselves individually and as a congregation. I think it's not just important, I think it's critical that we as a congregation try to follow the Word of God, especially at a time like this, and allow the Lord to be um, leading in our hearts. So number one, <clears throat> if I can just show you, they're very basic, very, very simple. I was talking to somebody last night, and they said, boy, these are truths that are laying just on top of the ground. These are ones you don't have to dig real deep to be able to get, and that's true. Um, these principles lay right on top of the ground. And if you look a little deeper at what God is saying, it just really comes together in um, a very unifying fashion. So, number one, the heart of God is revealed, and that's what he does here in verse one. Look at it again. Here's God revealing and opening up to us uh, the subject matter that he wants for us to deal with here tonight. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. That's God speaking, and that's the Lord saying, I just want Whatever group that is going to be listening to this passage here tonight or whenever that passage is read, I just want you to know what my heart and mind is, God says, when I see a group of people that are unified and are working together toward one cause and accomplishing great things for God, God looks down and says, I just need you to know how good and how pleasant it is when I see brethren dwelling together in unity. That's the heart, it's the desire, it's the mind of Christ being revealed for us here tonight. And he expounds upon that in the next two verses, and we'll look at those here in just a minute. But God is drawing our attention to something that he wants us to get focus in upon. <clears throat> Years ago, uh, my wife and I were in the Black Hills, and we were driving around, and we were driving down a gravel road through the hills trees all around us, and there was a barbed wire fence on either side of us. And, uh, and I looked ahead, and I saw, uh, we're always looking for deer, and I saw a deer. And it wasn't that big of a deal, except that the deer was caught in the barbed wire fence. It had tried to uh, jump either th through the fence or didn't see the fence. I don't know what caused that, but it was just, uh, it was just a, a little fawn and was stuck in there, and it was bleeding, B-L-E-A-T-I-N-G. And uh, <clears throat> so I, 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 
I tapped Yvette. I said, honey, look up there. Look uh, in the fence up there. I didn't want her to miss that. It's not, it's not an uncommon thing to see a deer, but it was the first and only time in my life I've seen a deer caught in a fence. And uh, we pulled the car over, and I went up. I tried, I know not to get close to a deer hooves. They can beat you to death, but I uh, grabbed the wires and tried to work it loose. And the next thing I know, that little fawn tore out of there. And then if I remember right, the mama was somewhere off in the trees, very happy um, that uh, her little one had gotten away and was loose now. But um, I remembered that that was a sight I did not want her to miss. And I, I was trying to get her attention. She would have seen it because we were both um, looking for the deer. Now, when we're done here tonight and we're driving away, she's going to tell me that she's the one that saw the deer. <clears throat> and, um, but I remember better than she does most of the time. So just, just so you know that. So I was really trying to get her to, to see that. And honestly, I didn't want her to miss it. You will never believe this, but every now and then while we're driving around with beauty all around us, the person sitting next to me is doing this. Yeah. So I wanted her to see that. I wanted that person to, to see that. It's important. Look at the first word there, guys. Everybody listening? You hear what God is saying? Behold. I want your attention. I have something that I want to spread out before you with three little verses that is so good and pleasant to me, and I want to show it to you as a congregation. It's what God, God is saying, not, not me. I'm sharing what God is saying. And God is telling us tonight, I don't want you to miss this. You don't get to see this all the time. Like a deer stuck in a fence. Unfortunately, it's just not everywhere you go that you find a body of believers in unity. You see people together. You see people working side by side. But sadly to God, it's an odd thing in this world today when an entire body is working together in unity. And God's grabbed uh, us by the shoulder tonight and said, hey, I've got something. I, I really want you to see this. I don't want you to miss what is right out in front of you. And I, I want this to sink in for the congregation. I believe that's how the Lord is addressing us. Behold, hey, look, notice what I'm trying to, to lay out in front of you. He points us to the thing that he doesn't want us to miss. Again, a rare thing. And once our eyes are focused on it and God knows it is in our sights, he tells us that it is good and it's pleasant. Now, I can name a lot of things that I think is good in this life. And the list would be, uh, you know, fairly long and probably would have a lot of food in the, in the list. Things that are good and things that are pleasant. But the things that are good and pleasant to God is when God sees his children unified, walking together. And it's like he pokes the angels and said, look, look at that. Those are things that are so good when I look down on this earth and I find a body of believers. And now he's looking at a church here tonight, Eastside Baptist Church. And I believe this from the depths of my heart. God longs to see good and pleasant things. Not that he doesn't. I'm not saying we're not in unity, but I am saying it's what God does want for sure at uh, Eastside Baptist and it's hard to disagree with God when you see it 
in any setting, whenever I've been to any church, whenever I've walked into a business meeting or a group of people that um, are in some kind of a meeting, and there is unity in that meeting, it's inviting. I want to be a part of that meeting. It's, it's something that you just feel like walking into and being a part of, and you want to be a part of that unity. You can see something is, is rolling here, and, and things are being accomplished, and it looks so good and right, and you just want to be a part of that when somebody looks at that, kind of like on a warm, sunny day, walking beside a you know, uh, an ocean tide, nice and calm, and sand is, is, um, is uh, real blended in with the water. You just want to wade in. You want to be a part of that. It just draws you in. And when it's with the brethren that you find it, when it's with a congregation of believers, guys, the environment is so comforting. It's inviting. Again, I've been to churches where I can sense the unity, but has anybody else been in churches where you could sense there was not unity uh, on that day or at that time in that congregation's life? And I'll be honest, I couldn't wait to get out of there. It just something's not good about that. But, but when it's with the brethren that you find it, the environment is so comforting. And I could sit with that congregation and many times, uh, Yvette and I have driven into churches we've never been to in our life just passing through on our way on vacation or something and have been in those kind of churches. And uh, she and I have been some of the last two to walk out of those churches, just visiting with the people, talking with them. And I'll hear her say something like, we're always the last ones out. Uh, something to that effect. It's just, you just like it. You know what, guys? The last two, uh, the Wednesday night and the Sunday night services here People were here after we said amen in the pulpit, you're dismissed for up to two hours you guys hung out on that Wednesday night and that Sunday night. That bother you, Pastor? Not a bit. I thought it looked so good and inviting and comforting that people were excited and felt this sense of unity that was working in, in, our, uh, in our congregation. You know, there's just something that's just not, it's not intimidating when you walk into that crowd there's no sense of judgment that's going on in that group. There's no hostility, no prejudice that you can see. And it just, it's like, I think this is a place where I could park and be a part of. I, I like this. I don't want to just park here. I'd like to get involved and be a part of that. That's what unity feels like. Uh, those on the outside immediately desire to be a part of this. It looks like it can be so healing to their brokenness, a place where good and pleasant things are taking place for a, a sad and broken heart. And people will long for that kind of thing when they see unity at work, driving together. So it seems like this group of brethren could just move mountains. It looks like anything that God would put in their path for them to do, they could accomplish. And you want to be a part of that. That's the way it is when uh, you find a place, a group, a setting, a family, a church where unity is taking place. You long to be a part of that. And God says, hey guys, stop and look. I need your attention. I need to know that you're fully focused on what I'm trying to show you here tonight. So this is what God would have us to focus on tonight. But then I want you to notice how he begins to lay it out before the congregation or the people that would be willing to read um, uh, about 
uh, this subject of unity. So secondly tonight, God gives us two visuals to compare it to. Okay, God, I'm looking up. I'm trying to find the unity. What exactly is it you're talking about? Can you put some kind of a description to it so that we can kind of apply it to our group? And that's exactly what God does. Let me, before I um, get into this, let's see, let, let's read verses two and three again. Would you follow along? It is like the precious ointment upon the, beard, the, the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garments, as the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. <clears throat> Lots of years ago, we went down to um, camp down in Grand Island, Nebraska with uh, Bill Jividen. Does anybody remember uh, those days? Did any of you guys ever go to the camp down there? Joe, you went down there with us? <laughs> you just remember those days, don't you? And, um, um, well, lots of stories come to my mind. I better not run off into rabbit trails here. But... At one of those camps, they had uh, two games that the kids played this one particular year, and it was Mud Bowl Volleyball and Mud Bowl Football. Has anybody ever played in either one of those? Let me see your muddy fingernails. Yeah? I mean, that was awesome because I stood on the outside and just watched the kids play. And what they did was they had kind of carved a little bit of indention in the, in the ground around the volleyball court and, uh, and filled it with water and, and then went in and really muddied it up and everything. And so while the kids are trying to run and hit the volleyball, it was impossible to stay standing. <laughs> it was hilarious to watch them crash into the water and the mud and come up, you know, all, all muddy. But the one thing I remember the most was the mud bowl football that we played. Does the name Steve Wichner mean anything to anybody in here? Steve Wichner. Um, so I remember the two teams playing. It's exactly the way it sounds. Mud bowl football. The water, I don't know how they got it so deep, but the water is probably a foot deep. And I remember this one particular play where Steve Wichner was doing everything he could to get to uh, the guy in front of him and he was going to tackle him. He had the football and he got close enough. The water was splashing and he dove and he tackled this guy and honestly both of them went out of sight for a second or two they were covered and when Steve came up and stood up I mean he looked like one of those marshmallows you dip in the those chocolate fountains at wherever those place places it comes up and I'm like oh my goodness and then he opened his eyes and there was dark and two white eyes that was standing out I'm telling you what and he's like hey I got him well, it got you. I don't know whether you knew that or not, but he was covered in the mud head to toe. What's that got to do with this verse 2? Probably should have used a different illustration, but it's so fitting. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments. And God is trying to describe what unity is like how it starts at one place and it runs all the way down. Every part is affected. I'm telling you, every part of Steve Wichner was affected 
by the mud and the water and the muck and the mire, every part of him, he was immersed in that. He was 100% all in that game. So let's go back and see what God's talking about. It's like the precious ointment upon um, um, the head, ran down the beard, even Aaron's beard, the great high priest. And when the high priest back in the Old Testament was being anointed for his high priestly service, he was to be anointed with this very special oil-like perfume. And uh, so how did this compare to the unity that God was drawing our attention to? Well, first of all, we noticed the ointment ran from, first of all, it started at the top of the head, and being oil, it no doubt flowed slowly, but eventually dripped down to his beard, and then the oil was so plentiful that it continued to flow down his high priestly garment, and then eventually made its way all the way to his feet and to the ground. It covered his entire garment. I really believe that's what God is trying to get us to understand here, is how fully enveloping the anointing process was for the priest. And guys, once the priest was fully anointed, he was now qualified to do the high priestly work. But not until he was fully anointed was he actually qualified to do the work that a priest would do. So, unity. True unity. Like the oil that covered the high priest covers the whole man. Unity does. It doesn't reserve, please, please know this, a congregation with unity <clears throat> doesn't reserve dark corners of men's hearts to allow for disunity and division and deceit. <clears throat> it never runs out. Even when it sees how long and how broad the subject matter might be, how troubled or how distressed a man or a group may be, true unity will eventually cover everything about a a body of believers. True unity spreads through the whole congregation. It doesn't just, uh, you know, fill one section or, you know, some of the pews where some people got encouraged and some of us were excited, some of us got on board. No, unity within a congregation covers everybody from one corner of the building to the next, and all are in agreement, and all understand the goal, and all understand how critically important it is that, like that anointing of the high priest qualified him for his service, what qualifies a congregation to do the great work of a holy God is when all of us have been completely immersed in this spirit of unity. Then and only then can a congregation really ever accomplish great things for God and be qualified to do the work of the Lord. Do you really think that, and we've, we've all been in them from one time or another, or in groups or families where there was great disunity and how hard it was to see how anything was really getting done for God's sake in those churches where there was disharmony and, and disgruntlement and discouragement God can't bless that, nor is that to be considered as something that's qualified in the service of the Lord. Unity covers every little portion. Also, something interesting about Aaron's anointing oil was how it was of the sweetest fragrance. Those of you that have read your Old Testament and have kind of paused on that and have learned how uh, that perfume was concocted, Uh, The Bible describes it in Exodus 30, 32, that it is holy, which means set apart, sanctified for a very specific purpose. 
That's what holy means. It is holy and it shall be holy unto you. It was so holy, no common man was allowed to manufacture it. I believe that it was even uh, at the point of death if they were to manufacture or try to copy exactly that specific kind of uh, anointing oil. It just wasn't to be found among the common man. Uh, Just on those who God commanded to be anointed for his intercessory purposes. That oil was simply put, let me put it this way, it was just a God thing. And it was for God's people, God's men, those high priests. And just like unity, unity, guys, is a God thing. It really is. Common man cannot manufacture it. Common man, just like you and me, uh, do not have what it takes to manufacture the kind of unity that God is describing here in our chapter tonight. It's something that is holy, something also that must be submitted to. I mean, the high priest, I, I can't imagine this ever happening, but he could walk away from it and say, this is, not a, this is not a good day for me, or this is something I've thought through a little bit and don't want to have a part in this. I suppose he could have, but it never happened. And when a man was ready for the service of God and his heart was tender, the oil could be poured from head to toe, just like unity in a, in a body of believers when a body of believers have submitted to what God has for us, when an entire congregation stands back and looks at what's right in front of us, what God is holding out and saying, I want you to look at what unity looks like. And when that congregation yields to uh, the leadership of God in their heart and life, God begins to pour that oil upon them. But if that congregation does not submit to uh, being willing to let God unify and draw us together, then we'll never know the kind of unity and the kind of things that could be done within a congregation. When we do yield and we submit to the Lord, please understand this, it has such a sweet fragrance to it. And that oil did. Um, It is so sweet for a congregation, for a family, to have the sweet fragrance of unity in it. You ever been in a family? You ever gone over when you were younger uh, to a friend's house? This has happened to me several times, and, and a friend invited me to come in. We went into their bedroom, play with their toys or whatever. But oh my goodness, in that house it was not good. It was not unified. I could hear the mom and the dad loudly screaming and the way they disciplined and on and on. It was just something that I was ready to get out of was not a sweet fragrance. It was a memory I wanted to forget when I left that. And I have to tell you, when I'd walk back into the Spencer household, man, what a blessing uh, to have had a mom and a dad that lived for God, made plenty of mistakes, sure, but they lived for God. And there was unity in that house. It was so sweet to get back home. There's something very sweet and tender when unity is at work in a congregation. Like the oil that ran from the head to the feet. This unity may start with the head, you know, stirs your mind a little bit, you understand the importance of it. But guys, please let it go all the way down to the feet and let it affect even not just what I think about but how I walk together with fellow believers in the the work and the plan of God as a congregation, um, it will affect how we walk and what we do for the union of the whole body or family.
He gave a second um, illustration of what unity looks like. Let me just kind of quickly walk through that. The second visual that God gives us is that of the dew on a mountain. Um, Let's see, verse 3 again. Can you look at that with me? As the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. I'm going to pause with that. So he says this unity is like that. It's like the dew on the top of Hermon, one of their greater mountains in that area, or any of those other mountains where the dew would begin to settle in. The, the high mountains would catch the moisture that would normally blow right on by some lands, but the high mountains would catch the moisture. And as it does, that water begins to condense and uh, come together in the form of rain sometimes or heavy dew at night. You do understand what dew is. Obviously, it's moisture that has become so thick that the little tiny droplets begin to uh, come together and uh, falls down upon a land. It is so thick and it just permeates everything that's all around it. Uh, in, in the higher elevations, it can turn into snow, which was very important to these uh, people that we're even talking about here tonight. Has anybody ever been out? Uh, camping and a very heavy dew came down upon you that night yeah you still wringing your clothes out and uh, everything else we go to the men's uh, the men's camp out here uh, July August sometime around that time frame maybe even September can't remember when we had it this time but we've been there a few years guys set out all their uh, lawn chairs you know those cloth lawn chairs you unfold sit those out and guys, when they eat, they just kind of go through this feeding trough <laughs> and eat everything that's there. I mean, there's chips flying and it's just... But when they go to bed, most guys don't remember to fold the bags of chips up. And when you go uh, get up in the morning and you're kind of hungry, guys will still eat just about anything. I remember like, oh, nacho-flavored Doritos. I love nacho-flavored Doritos. I remember reaching in and grabbing one and sticking that soggy old thing in my mouth and spitting that thing out as fast as I could. That dude, you go sit down on the chair. Y'all, I'm tired. I'll just sit down on a chair. I haven't woke up yet. Squish. And you're soaking wet all the way through. And it's just a real heavy, heavy dew that covers everything. <clears throat> um, so as the snow in the upper elevations melt... They run down into the streams, which flow down the mountains, begin, beginning to fill the dry streams that are down below, those stream beds and the little ponds and the lakes. And thirsty, thirsty travelers and workers uh, and shepherds and their cattle are refreshed at those cool mountain streams. Just like unity, just like when people are coming together and condensing together. Tiny little particles begin to come together to where they um, form one solid blanket that just lays over a very, very obviously over a congregation. And it covers everybody. It covers everything. There's nothing that's left out when you have unity. Uh, it comes from the high mountains. Don't miss this. It comes from above. If the mountains didn't send the moisture... There'd be no life down below. Does that make sense? If the, the mountain snows did not melt and fill the streams and the ponds and the lakes, 
Uh, there just wouldn't be life down below. The grasses and the flowers and the fruit trees would not be nearly as plentiful if something from above did not come down to where we are. Guys, if, if the grace of God does not flow down from above, his children don't have any cool waters to be able to draw from. If a congregation does not look up and lift up their eyes under the hills from whence cometh their help, they'll never have the cool drink that they need. Fruit could never grow. A congregation may even grow stagnant and uh, really come to a place where they pretty much stop doing what God would have them to do. But when the water flows and those upper um, mountains and the snows that begin to melt come down and and feed the people around them, everything begins to sprout, things begin to grow, everybody's full of happiness and joy when the rains finally come. Um, The blessing about dew is, I've already said it, it covers the entire area, grass will sparkle in the morning, Uh, nothing is untouched by a heavy dew. When unity comes to a congregation or a family or any group, it will soak the entire congregation. So don't miss this and we're done. Notice what God says about all of that. Can you read, follow along in verse 3 again and look how God finishes this up. As the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. Notice what he says. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. So what does that say to us? Our church's greatest godly blessings are to be found as we walk in unity. If God could look down and see Eastside Baptist Church coming together in full unity, we agree together, we believe God for these things we've been praying and asking for, when God looks down and sees a congregation walking in unity, there the Lord commands His blessings. I'm convinced of that. Uh, Eastside Baptists, if we want to see the greatest blessings that God's ever given, then let's come together in unity. We want to see what God can do in our community and, and, uh, and not have enough room in our you know, auditorium, uh, even on a Sunday night, and see people being saved and lives being changed and go up and down the classrooms and the classrooms are full and there are workers on the outside waiting to be the next ones to to help. Wouldn't that be a blessing? See the buses just, you know, boiling over with the little kids and families coming in and lives being changed. That'd be so exciting. And I'm not saying we've never seen that. Obviously, look around, we can see what God has already done. But is this as far as we think God wants to go? I, I think not. I think the blessings of God, the greatest of God's blessings, are yet to come. And the place where God pours out His blessings is where the unity comes together with a congregation or with a people. So here's my desire. Um, Very few times have I asked for something like this, but I'm going to ask for it tonight. Could I ask for a 100% participation for the prayer time tonight. I know we have a few guests in here tonight. Oh, thank you guys for being here. It's a blessing to have some guests that are here with us. We'd love to have you join in with us. I'd like to have the entire congregation tonight praying and asking for
for God's blessings of unity to be upon our congregation. We're going we're gonna to give an invitation like that. And ladies, if you don't mind coming and, and playing for us, I would appreciate that. And Ken, I think we'll just even hold off on the invitation song. So hopefully, ladies, you can play and pray at the, at the same time. But I'm asking uh, if, if we could uh, just gather together as one body tonight in unity and pray for God to pour his blessings on this place here tonight. If I can just lead us in a word of prayer and then if we could ask if you would either be willing to come and fill the altars tonight and or the pew where you sit or the front pews down here. Man, I'd sure love to see God looking down and seeing an entire congregation in unity praying for his will to be done. So let me pray. Father, again, I thank you for your blessings here tonight upon the word of God and the way you spoke to my heart and showed me things that I so sorely needed to see and to know and to understand. And I pray that we as a congregation, God, could be like that oil that ran down upon the high priest, covering that entire body, and as the dew upon the mountains that covered every blade of grass, may we find ourselves in absolute unity tonight. But more than that, may that be the place where the blessing of God comes down upon this congregation and blesses us in an abundant fashion. So have your will and way during this invitation, and I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.